know, some things you don't forget. And I remember the first time I heard that song, this new version of Amazing Grace. And I like it. I like the thought of it. <laughs> Our chains can be gone. Those things that kind of inhibit us in our relationship with Christ and with one another, they can be gone. The chains are gone. Are we going to allow them to be gone? Or do we still try to bind ourselves to them? You know, we're continuing to look at Peter, and as I said, this is probably the last message we'll have on Peter for a while. Remember, he was born in Bethesda. He was a fisherman, along with his brother Andrew and their father, Jonah, J-O-N-A. And they were fishing partners with James and John and Zebedee, their father. So the six of them had a fishing business. James and John, Andrew and Peter, followed Jesus. They kind of gave it up, the fishing aspect. They had family. They lived in Capernaum. But they were changed by Christ. Became apostles in the first century. They were convinced Jesus was the Messiah. And then they lived out that belief. An interesting note about Peter. As I said, he lived in Capernaum. And I understand that his house is still standing. It's housed in a church. So inside another structure. An archaeological excavation showed that the house became something else at some point in time. And so... The significance is that there were large vases or vats or broken pieces of those in the house. Which means that there were large gatherings probably in that house or in that community. Which meant Peter probably opened up his house to other believers. In the first century, in the first few years. Also, remember Peter? His message to the masses at Peter, Pentecost, which influenced people to become followers. It was Peter who healed a 40-year-old man who had been crippled since birth. And it was Peter who included the Gentiles into the Christian church. People outside his own perspective, outside of his own ones, outside of Arsdale friends, they were included into the fellowship and life of the church. Peter, a regular citizen and blue-collar fisherman. We could say a blue-collar worker. I may have called him that back then, but that's what he would have been today. And he becomes known as the rock. The rock. He was imprisoned several times for his faith, and has believed Peter influenced John Mark to write a short gospel, so therefore we have the gospel of Mark for our use today. Peter, a man who loved Jesus and his message and carried it in his heart 
wherever he went. Oh, there were times Peter failed Jesus. He wasn't perfect. He was kind of a compulsive guy. I'll step out of the boat, Jesus. Remember that? I'll step out of the boat. I'll come to you. And he was following Jesus a little bit later in his life. And he said, oh no, when that slave girl asked him, or that servant girl asked him, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? Oh no, not me. Uh-uh, I'm not a part of that crowd. So he was kind of compulsive. His faith went up and down. He wasn't always sure, but yet he was sure. You know what I mean? He knew who the Messiah was, but yet he didn't always want to stand up for him. Where he worked, where he lived, and the things he did. Sometimes he just blew it. Sometimes he just failed. But he led the church. He led the community. Peter continued to be used by God. Isn't that amazing? With all these shortcomings... He was still used by God. He had a passion. He had a passion to make the church better. Didn't matter who it was that needed to join, he loved them. God needs all of us to do our best to get rid of some of our chains that bind us to a pulpit, that bind us to a home, that bind us to the world, so we can love one another, so we can be loved by God. We need to get rid of some of those chains. Do the people over here love the people over here? Sure you do, of course. But do the people in here love all the people be outside these walls? We're supposed to. And sometimes I fail at that, people. Sometimes I don't do it as well as I should. And like Peter, I stand in forgiveness. The group of people who knew Peter gathered in a house after he was arrested and they prayed for him. A rich fellowship drawn together by Christ in his message, praying for one another. Seth Henshaw, a member and a leader and a writer of North Carolina yearly meeting, when it was a yearly meeting, North Carolina friends wrote, While Jesus loved all people deeply enough to give his life for them, a more intimate relationship existed with and among his disciples, which the scribes and the Pharisees could neither understand nor enter. It was not that Jesus shut them out. It was just that their lack of devotion held them at a distance. And this is what Charles Wesley called love divine or love excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. All of us are invited into that intimate relationship with Jesus. We are only on the outside on particular days. 
at particular times because we exclude ourselves from what could be. Because we're bound by some chains that limit our vision, our hope, and our dreams. The early church during Peter's days understood this intimate fellowship with Jesus. Early friends did as well. They gathered together to seek God's will, just like we come here. They came to their altar. Did you catch that in the text? Several times the church prayed for Peter. They came to the altar of their own heart to pray for one another, to be loved, and to love others. Seth Henshaw further wrote, and I think perhaps many of us could agree with this, I'm a friend today because early friends formed a spiritual fellowship a fellowship that achieved a unity in the internal being. They formed into a mutual, supportive, devoted believers not held together by programs. They held each other up in times of weakness and in times of suffering. They loved one another. Thank you for doing that here at Archdale, friends. You're a great group of people seeking the love of God and to love each other. And I think we found that. Seth Henshaw found that. Peter in the early church suffered many things, but they also found some great things as they gathered together for worship and celebrating the risen Christ. Acts chapter 12 involves a miracle. Peter is arrested by King Agrippa I. There are six Herods in the New Testament, if I counted correctly. Herod the Great is the one who had had all the babies killed, if you remember, at the time of Jesus' birth. And Herod the Grip of the First is the grandson of Herod the Great. And about 14 years now has transpired since Jesus' death and resurrection. And Agrippa the First had James, the brother of John, arrested and killed. And now Peter is arrested. He probably didn't do anything wrong. He was just arrested. And did you catch the number of guards that were put at the prison? How many were there? Sixteen. And he was put in chains. And the angel of the Lord came. Why? Because the people were praying. God still had use of Peter. Peter prayed, the people prayed, the church was earnestly praying for Peter, a fellowship drawn together. You know, remember, prayer saved Abraham's nephew Lot from being destroyed in Sodom and Gomorrah. Prayer rescued the children of Israel from the oppression of the Egyptians. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Prayer was a powerful force at Pentecost. The church was praying for Peter. And the chains were loosened. They were gone. You know, it's probably one of the times in Peter's life, or maybe some of your life, you just can't believe when something happens, and you've got to kind of pinch yourself to see if it's a dream or if it's real. Have you ever had to do that before? Yeah, sometimes you just kind of wake up, oh, was that a dream or is that real? 
And I'm sure this could have been one of those times in Peter's life. He just couldn't believe that it was happening. That the guards didn't even notice that he was gone. The church was praying. The altar of their heart. They were coming to that altar of their heart. And I've led a few days retreat before in a correctional institution in Lebanon, Ohio. And getting in and out of that prison was no easy task, even with a guard beside you. Um, you know, you hear the doors shut, cell doors shut. You're in the hallway, and you go down a little bit farther. Guard's over here, and he's kind of looking at you and making sure you don't have things on that you shouldn't have with you. And then you get down to this next door, and you know they pat you up, and they pat you down, and they say, lay your books out on the table, and lay all your papers out on the table, and they read a few of those passages that you've got, and they make sure that there's no nail files and guns and those kind of things in your books. And you go through the next door, and the guard takes you through the next door. Sixteen guards were by Peter. He was in chains. Boom. They were gone. That's the action of God. God's still the same God he was when Peter was there as he is today. The church was praying for Peter. The power of praying people can do wondrous things. Going to God in the altar of your heart. Sometimes you may go to a physical altar. Maybe you've done that when you were younger someplace or you actually went down to an altar. Maybe you responded to an altar call. You know, before Jesus died, there in the temple, the curtain kind of separated the people from the altar. And so they had to pray on the outside. Or the priest took care of things for them. Remember what happened to that big curtain? What happened to it? From top to bottom, it was ripped open so we could enter the Holy of Holies. So we could pray at the altar of our heart. We don't have to use a priest anymore. We can go to God ourselves. He removed not only the chains, but he made it possible for us to have a personal relationship with him. Every day. Jesus' death and resurrection made that possible. Seek to have your chains removed. The chains that might attach you to the world a little bit, or the things in the world, And just seek Jesus. We all have hardships and duress. Those happen to each and every one of us. But there's also sometimes some things that we kind of hold on to of the past. Some of those are good, but sometimes there's not so good things. And we need to be able to let go of those and let go of the chains so we can be free. As Christ has asked us to be. In Acts 12, at the beginning, James was executed. 
And we might ask why was he, his life taken and not Peter's? Had Jane done something wrong? Not that we know of. You know, we don't know or understand all these occurrences that happen the way they do sometimes. Why is this person taken and this person left? Why am I still here? What am I supposed to be contributing to the life of the church or to the life of God? You know, sometimes I wish I could pry into God's counsel and get some answers to such of those questions that we all wrestle with from time to time. And I've learned that being a caring, loving fellowship is what really brings hope. Helping each other. Praying for each other. Getting your hands dirty and not being afraid to offer yourself. To me, it's interesting. Peter didn't seem concerned that he was about to face death. Think about Peter there in the um, jail. He knew what was before him. He knew that he wasn't going to live much longer. He knew what King Agrippa was going to do to him, King Herod. But he didn't seem concerned. He just went ahead and slept. Think about that. When you got something praying on your mind, what do you usually do? You wrestle, you turn, you struggle. But Peter must have been at some kind of peace. And that peace was the power of Christ. When we go to the altar of our heart, we can find that peace. Maybe you're in your own self-created prison. I don't know, this morning, or for some situation, due to your own personal choices, or maybe you're struggling with Loving yourself as God really wants to love you. God desires to set you free. He can remove your burdens. And he can lift you up. Peter had found that power and that peace that gives and is given in fellowship of friends. Peter who did so much for Jesus, for the early church, when he was crucified on the cross... He didn't think he was worthy enough to be crucified like Jesus. And so he was hung upside down. Sometimes we don't feel worthy of being loved by God or being used by God or being useful. But Jesus' love and grace is for all people. Red, yellow, black, and white. And today we could say orange hair, purple hair, green hair. You can add those. Nose rings, ear rings, tongue rings. All people can be used by Christ. This side of the tracks, that side of the tracks. You may not feel worthy. But remember, Jesus died for all. And he wants a relationship with you. And we really need one another. There is no dungeon too deep, no wall too high that God cannot climb to meet you right where you are today. You think you're not good enough? Think again. God had use of Peter, a fisherman, one who was compulsive, one who made mistakes. You know, I used to drive a tractor a lot. I used to just plant seeds in the ground. God has use of you. 
He has use of you. You're all of value to him. God's grace is amazing. Your chains can be gone. You can begin it now. Or sometimes we need a restart. Have you ever needed a restart in life? You ever wished you could get up on the other side of the bed some days and have a restart, a reboot on that day? Jesus can give it to you. He can loosen those chains. And it's for all of us.